You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I'd like to begin this week's show by saying that no tech savvy at risk youth were harmed in the production of this program, nor have any tech savvy at risk youth ever been harmed in the production of this program. I was out in a bar the other day. Somebody came up to me and said, you're Dan Savage. I listen to your podcast. And then said, you're really mean to the tech savvy at-risk youth about their dreads and their personal hygiene. And then you sexually harass them sometimes. And this person was very concerned for the tech savvy at-risk youth um, and wondering where their parents were and why their parents were allowing them to sit in this room while I talk about this smut. Um, the tech savvy at-risk youth aren't high school students on some sort of work release program from Juvie or something. The Texas Every At-Risk Youth are only youth in the under 25 sense of the word. And um, everything that I say to them, although they cannot respond to me because that is not the way it works, is said in good fun. And again, they're not being harmed uh, on this work release program. And uh, this is the only time of the week when they get to keep their, uh, their home arrest monitoring collars off and leave the building. So I'm being nice to them. They like to be uh, – you would think that any regular listener to this program, a regular reader of my column, would know that there are people out there who like to be abused. And the tech-savvy at-risk youth are four or five of them. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. This is Amy. I'm a 24-year-old female from San Francisco, California, and I have a question regarding shacking up. My boyfriend and I have been together for three years, and we have a really happy, solid relationship. We live in two separate apartments in the city, and we're thinking about moving in together in June when my lease is up. Um, We already spend, I'd say, five or six nights together um, every week, and as you know, San Francisco is very expensive, so saving money would also be a perk of moving in together. Um, my friends all have different opinions about this. Some say moving in together is relationship suicide. Others say we already spend so much time together. Why haven't we done it already? And I don't want to move in together just for financial reasons, but I also, having never lived with someone, don't know if we're essentially already doing it and just paying separate rents. So I'm hoping you can shed some light and give me some expert advice about the do's and don'ts of moving in together. Yes, move in with each other. It's been two or three years. You're in love. You spend all your time over there. or He spends all his time over at your place anyway already. Shack the fuck up. Save some fucking money. This is a, a, a no-brainer. You say that you've never moved in with anybody before. You've never shacked up before. What's the worst that could happen? You move in, you break up, you move out. How hard is that? People do that every day. Hi, Dan. My girlfriend and I were just having sex, and when at the end of it, I found out that my condom broke and that I came all inside of her. Now, my question is, was there, what's the possibility of her being pregnant since... She just got back on the pill. It was her second or third day back on it after taking 
a few months off. And uh, we rushed out and got Plan B within the hour and took it like, regularly. So me and her are pretty shooken up. I was wondering if you could shed some light on it. Plan B, if used within a couple of days of the unfortunate incident, you know, the blowing of a load in a place where you shouldn't have blown a load, 75% effective, uh, which means, you know, your odds uh, of her being pregnant are really pretty slim, not vanishingly so, but slim enough. Uh, the pill that she's been taking, she went back on the pill, probably hasn't kicked in yet, so that's not going to help you. But, you know, it's not just that your cum has to be in her. There also has to be eggs, and, you know, you don't know for sure that there's eggs. Uh, there's a reason a lot of people, when they begin in earnest to try to get pregnant, don't get pregnant on the first blown load. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of horror stories out there about one broken condom, one little leak of pre-cum, one moment of stupidity, uh, and deciding to just go for it and come inside her because, you know, you're just going to take the risk and hope for the best. Um, and out of all those situations, people are automatically getting pregnant. Uh, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, you have in your favor, you know, whether or not she's ovulating at the time and you took plan B, which really cuts back if she was ovulating and she's on the pill. So maybe it was just about kicking. You'll probably be fine. She's probably not pregnant. You did the right thing by rushing out immediately and getting plan B. You sound really nervous and on edge that you have that tone in your voice, that quality, uh, of a guy who just blew a load and a girl who would never get an abortion. I hear from a lot of you guys uh, at the column uh, and via email. My general advice for guys who are dating girls who will not, under any circumstances, even consider getting an abortion is to blow the load down her throat, not up her pussy. Or in her butt, uh, as so many young people today are doing. Uh, not only do you not run the risk of pregnancy, but you actually can preserve her virginity that way, I understand, based on the studies of kids who've gone through absence education. Not to make light of the predicament that you're in. Time will tell. And I think that time will tell you that you are in the clear and that Plan B uh, did what Plan B does and she ain't pregnant. But fingers crossed. And you'll know in a couple weeks. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a woman in my early 20s and I really need your help because um, Google just is not um, doing it for me on this one. Um, my problem is that um, I cannot seem to experience um, any sexual pleasure at all, um, alone or with a partner, um, and this has been going on for as long as I can recall. Um, I've never obviously had an orgasm or anything close to it because um Everything just feels kind of weird um, or boring or occasionally painful. Um, it's really starting to um, get to me because, um, I mean, I know lots of people call you and write to you saying, um, oh, I feel like a freak, but I, I really feel like a freak. I feel like everyone else in the world is eating chocolate ice cream and I was born without taste buds or something. Um, uh, I do want to have sex and I can um, get aroused um, and I seem to have the trouble lubricating when that happens. Um, but no kind of stimulation actually feels good to me, whether it's me uh, or my boyfriend or my boyfriend's tongue uh, or whatever. Um, in fact, honestly, I haven't even tried masturbating in years because it doesn't feel like anything. It's just depressing. I, I eat chocolate ice cream instead. Um, I, I have trouble believing that this is a psychological problem because I grew up in a sex-positive household and went to a very tippy sex-positive college and have had 
lovely partners and everything, but my gynecologist says there's nothing wrong with me physically, and she gives me these really stupid books about loving myself that I don't think have anything to do with my problem. Um, and I really hope that you can give me some advice or if you know someone like some sort of sex therapist in the New York area for both of us. You're in your early 20s. A lot of women don't hit their sexual, you know, women's sexual peak comes in the late 20s, early 30s. There are a lot of women who at your age and a little bit younger say they have the same problem that you have where they can become aroused and they lubricate but they can't come and they're really not that interested in sex and they could take it or leave it. And then come the sexual, you know, they hit their sexual peak and suddenly uh, they're going over the falls and they can have orgasms and the things that appeal to them sexually are suddenly very clear and obvious in a way that they weren't uh, before they hit their sexual peak. That's not the case for all women, but it certainly is the case for some. I would encourage you uh, to, you know, continue to explore erotica, explore um, porn. Uh, to masturbate, even if you have to will yourself to do it. You don't mention whether you've ever tried a vibrator. I would definitely try a vibrator if I were you. And see if you you can't stumble over something that just snaps into place and then you have your sort of eureka aha moment. If you don't, if you do all those things and you don't, I would encourage you not to get too freaked out about it because come 28, 29, 30, 31 – it may suddenly arrive, may you know, descend from heaven on a cloud, your your sex life, and take you over, and you'll be so grateful. I do want to challenge you on one thing, though. You mention a boyfriend. That means you have a sex partner. I think people who are in your shoes, who are sort of at a loss sexually, are not made perhaps that interested in sex, should think twice about acquiring a sex partner. Um, your boyfriend, if you have a boyfriend, has a reasonable expectation that you, as his romantic love interest, are going to be interested in a little romance and love making. And if you're absolutely positively indifferent to that stuff right now, maybe having a boyfriend around is not in your boyfriend's best interest, but also not in your own best interest, because then your sexuality becomes this mark you have to hit for him, or you, you know, your your lack of interest in sex isn't just about you, it's also about disappointing him. And then this issue has this added layer of uh, guilt and you know what you owe him, and you feel pressured to solve this problem, not because you want to solve it for yourself, uh, but because you feel under a certain amount of pressure to solve it for him so he doesn't leave you. So maybe at this point in your life, it's not the best time to have uh, a sex partner, considering that you have no interest in that sex part of the sex partnership deal. Hi, Dan. I had a blow up with my boyfriend last night. Essentially, he found my porn stash. Um, when he calmed down a little, I talked to him and he still said it really disturbed him. He wants me to get rid of it really strongly. <laughs> um, but I'm attached to it. I mean, I say porn stash, it's sketches and drawings. They're all headless because I'm hopeless with faces. And it represents sort of a progression in my ability to render the male body. And I think they're hot. He's, my boyfriend, he's, he's great. He's fun. He's sexy. He's smart. He's sexy. Um, and I'd rather not lose this relationship, um, either through his agency or mine. So... But I, again, don't want to get rid of it. And if I just lie, I'm afraid that, well, he'll probably catch me again if he's actually looking for it, if he's actually that upset about it. Um, this really can't be an either-or situation, so I'm hoping that you can just 
tell me, you know, why I'm being stupid, what sort of faulty assumptions I'm making, or some suggestion of a way through it. Thanks. Sorry, everybody, about the poor sound quality on that. And usually we wouldn't use a call uh, where the sound quality was so poor because it's going to annoy everybody and then everyone's going to call up and say that they're annoyed. And, okay, you don't need to call. We know you're annoyed. We're annoyed. But we used the call anyway. Uh, I decided to in consultation with the abused tech-savvy at-risk youth, the cringing, terrified tech-savvy at-risk youth because it's such a flip. Usually when we get a call about someone whose porn stash is causing a problem in the relationship or their porn stash is under threat or there have been porn stash ultimatums delivered, it's the guy's porn stash that it, uh, is under threat. It's a guy who's been given an ultimatum by his girlfriend to uh, choose between her and the porn stash. And it's just refreshing to hear from a woman who's got a porn stash. So it sounds like some of it was self-generated. And a freaked out boyfriend who wants her to get rid of it. And I'm going to give the exact same advice to you that I've given to guys because uh, I'm not a sexist. Keep your goddamn porn stash and stand your goddamn ground and tell your boyfriend to suck it up and to stop being such an insecure bag of slop. Then if he calls your bluff and says, look, it's me or the porn stash, you say, okay, honey, it's you. And you hide your porn stash in a better spot where he's not going to find it. Particularly, you know, who knows? This relationship may last or it may not last. You don't want to throw your porn stash away for real. And then three months later, you guys break up for some other reason. Maybe, you know, the fact that he's an insecure controlling bag of slop in other ways too. And then you're out the boyfriend and out the porn stash. So hide the porn stash. And then the both of you ultimately should hopefully come to the place of detente that so many couples have come to on this issue, which is you hide it. And pretend you don't own it. And he knows it's hidden and pretends that you don't own it. And it's a little like a mutual suspension of disbelief. You pretend that you don't have an insecure controlling bag of slop for a partner. And he pretends that he doesn't have a partner who looks at porn occasionally. And you just live the lie and make it work. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle, including a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast, and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit AdamandEve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan Savage. I'm a 20-something athletic guy, um, just moved out to the West Coast, and I'm looking for a job. Um, I heard about a cool signing gig, nude cleaning, and uh, I love to clean, not a huge fan of wearing clothes, and so I think this would be a really great way to pay the bills, but uh, do you know if these jobs even exist? And if they do, do you have any suggestions on where I might go about finding them? Um, I've checked Craigslist and a few other websites that can't seem to come up with anything. There are no nude cleaning agencies. You're not going to find a job listing on Craigslist from someone who runs a nude cleaning agency who's looking for nude cleaners to send out and then they'll you know, collect 50 bucks an hour and give you 30 of it. That doesn't really exist. What Craigslist has made possible for sex workers and that is what you would be even if you weren't touching anybody and nobody was touching you, if even they're just admiring uh, your fanny while you got down on your hands and knees and washed the floor uh, – Sex workers today are all independent contractors thanks to the internet. You, If you're interested in nude cleaning, you decide what your hourly rate is and you put a picture of your ass up on the internet and you say, this much money, I will come and clean your house. It's not going to be regular work. You can supplement an income doing something like this. You're not going to be able to call this a career. This is – not your your life's work, and it won't be. Um, the other problem with people who want to make a lot of money doing something like this 
is that there's a lot of submissive men out there who get off on uh, this kind of role play, you know, the nude cleaning thing, who are willing to do it for free and a lot of them are very good looking. So people who are interested in having their apartments cleaned uh, by men who are naked uh, can pay or they can find somebody who will volunteer to do it. So I'm sorry to say that you will have to – well, even if you pursue this line of work, you're still going to have to look for a real job too. Hey, Dan Savage. This is um, Tony. And me and my boyfriend are having an argument over if this is my problem or his problem of insecurity as he's yelling in the background. And sometimes I can get insecure about things. And, you know, I've, the word, what's the word? Well, I've told him that I'm, I'm upset. You just get upset about certain times when I get upset. And he says that it's my problem if I'm insecure about it and that he doesn't have to make me feel better about these feelings. So just let me know what you think about it, and, you know, it's not your job, please. Anyway, so please let me know if it's my problem or his problem to help me work through these things, which I think it is, but um, I love your show, listen to it all the time, you're the best. He wants to suck your cock. He wants to suck your cock. So, oh, you want to suck mine? Great. Love you. A boyfriend is not a therapist, so I'm on your boyfriend's side. He's not there to hold your hand and help you work through whatever your bullshit insecurity issues are. You should arrive at a relationship with most of those bullshit insecurity issues already worked through. That said, you know, we rely on our partners for a certain amount of emotional support. We need to have someone in our lives we can go to when we feel particularly low uh, who's going to buck us up a little bit. But we that is not our partner's primary job. Our primary responsibility really to our partner is to fill their lives with pleasure, to make their lives better uh, and more enjoyable than they would be if we were not part of them, if we were absent from them. Uh, you know, I've always seen it as what you do is you you make investments into the bank of your love and then every once in a while you can make a withdrawal because you need something you know, you, you you have a right then to call on, you know, to pull out some of the collateral you've earned to, to reap a dividend of, you know, emotional support that he's going to be there for. He's going to buck you up. He's going to help you. But it really, a relationship isn't you get to tick off to your boyfriend all the ways you feel bad at the end of the day and your insecurities. And it's his job constantly to be, you know, papering over the cracks and bucking you up and supporting you. That's not his job. Your job your jobs, the both of you, are to be partners in crime and have a good time together and be fun and be there for each other in good times and bad. But, you know, the bad times should be a small percentage of the times total that you spend together, not uh, all the time that you spend together or a majority of the time that you spend together. So suck it up. If you are so insecure that he's having to buck you up constantly, you need not just a boyfriend, you need a therapist and a boyfriend and they're not the same dude. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 25-year-old straight woman with a three-year-old daughter, and I recently started going through a divorce um, after discovering that my husband of four years is gay. I'm not really sure what to say or how to explain to our daughter what her dad's going through. I've searched the Internet. I've been to the the PFLAG site, I guess the collage site, Straight Spouse Network, and all that, and I just haven't been able to find any real advice or ideas, I guess, age-specific ones. 
because um, I don't want to say mom and daddy don't love each other anymore, because we, we do, it's it's amicable. Um, I don't want to say daddy's gay, because that word I mean, means nothing to her. So um, any advice you could have would really be appreciated. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, how goes the divorce? Um, <laughs> Sorry, well, you sound so upbeat. I'm good. Like, no, you're not, <laughs> how can you be good? You're getting a divorce, and it sounds sad, <laughs> even though it's amicable. Um, well, it's going. I mean, it, it is what it is. Right. So. <laughs> what does your husband tell you, your soon-to-be ex-husband, tell you about how he came to be your husband? He was closeted, or he didn't know? Like, how did this all come tumbling out? I think, I, I guess that it was kind of... Well, okay, the way I explained it, I guess, to someone else was that it's, like, I, I assumed he was maybe bisexual, mm-hmm. right? And then um, I, sorry, I'm getting my hair cut, or I was at my hair <laughs> place, um, that then it became clear that the pattern was only other guys. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? There, weren't, there were no other women, right. so, kind of thing, so... Yeah, I accepted that it was, or, you know, realized that it was not going to be, but it was just other men. And then he said, yeah. He said, I'm and, gay, and I was trying yeah. to go of this heterosexual lifestyle thing, and it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. and I don't even know. I, I don't know. I think he knew, but But he's maybe come he to the cultural to, pressure to, to be straight. Exactly. Right? Yes, and yes. So he kind of done you wrong, even though this is amicable. Like he knew going in, and so you have a bit of a right, I think, to be a bit annoyed. Um, well, yeah. Well, I said I'm, I'm glad you're figuring it out now. I, I, you know, I want you to be figuring it out. I wish you'd done it four years ago, yeah. but you know, at least now it's you know it's not 15 years down the line, and we're all bitter and everybody hates everybody. So right, and you're all still young enough to change partners and start fresh. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> so, what do you tell your three-year-old about this? Um, right. I, I think. You know, age appropriate, but always the truth. And mm-hmm. you, I think, at age three, what a child needs to know is that mommy and daddy loved each other, and we still love each other, and we're always going to be uh, your parents, and we're going to treat each other well and kindly. We're just not going to live together anymore. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And will you explain to her? Uh, you know, the child as he or she gets older, I think is. That daddy was confused. I mean, there's no way, you can't gild the lily. You can't completely exonerate him in the eyes of this child. When daddy married me, daddy thought that daddy was capable of loving a woman like someone, like a heterosexual man. And, you know, kids understand what straight and gay is at a very young age. Okay. You know, the idea that we need to protect them from those categories is really crazy. Because uh, mm-hmm. kids know that there are straight people and there are gay people, particularly now, in the world we live in now. Um, right. They know what that means. That means not... They don't know exactly what it means sexually and how it's expressed, but they know what it means when it comes to love and marriage. Okay. That daddy loves, will fall in love with a man one day, and daddy was probably should have been with a man all along, but we didn't discover right. that until we were married. And you know, and you should always present it to her like, and thank God because if we had discovered it sooner, you wouldn't be here, and we're both glad right. you're here. So right. maybe it was an accident that we got married, but it was supposed to happen because we got you. Yeah. Okay. You don't want her to grow up or him to grow up thinking that it would have been a better situation for all involved if the child hadn't come into existence. Right, of course, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I, like I said, I'm not being, definitely not showing any bitterness or anything to her. So we're just saying, Daddy, you know, 
I just didn't know what to say. Daddy's, the kind, daddy's, <laughs> daddy's gay, and gay and gay men are men who fall in love with and want to marry other men. But Daddy didn't know it quite. Right. He fell in love with me. Daddy loved me, and he mistook that for like husband-wife love. But it wasn't that kind of love. And Daddy was confused. And she'd always end those conversations with, "And I'm so glad because here right. you are." Yes. Okay. That works. I'm sorry. Um, On behalf of all gay men everywhere, closeted <laughs> and not. Yeah. Um. Well, like I said, I'm happy he's, you know, we wish the best, obviously, for him. I just wish that he... <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I, wish you, I said I wish you'd had a pair a couple years ago, but, me, you know. Me too, he, and I'm sure I would have lent him one uh, if he could. Yeah, yeah he could have used it. But, he, you know, he's, he's figuring out now. So, okay. Well, thank you very much. That's exactly what I needed to know. Okay, good luck with your haircut. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm having a problem uh, in my relationship. I am engaged, and... Um, probably like right before my fiance proposed, he revealed to me that he had cheated on me in the past, um, with an ex-girlfriend. Um, and he, you know, just came clean because he wanted to be like 100% honest. And before we got started on being married, and that's all well and good, and we've been to, you know, therapy, and we're trying to work it out. Um, and I'm getting to a point where I can trust him again, but it's 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 kind of, it's a rocky process. Um, but my problem that I want to talk about right now is that I met a girl before, and uh, I actually made the mistake of calling her and calling her some names, and, like, I kind of knew who she was, and I kind of felt like, she wasn't 100% culpable or completely culpable, but somewhat culpable. I kind of have vilified her in my mind so much so that when I see other women who look like her, I get upset and I, I automatically hate those women. Um, and it was much, much worse when I first found out um, and it's getting better and better, but I'm a little worried that I have this feeling of like hatred towards women that I don't even know and I don't want to become bitter or hateful towards um, women as as a whole because my fiance was a dumbass. Clearly your anger at this woman and now all women who vaguely resemble this woman uh, was a, a coping mechanism because if all of your anger had landed on this guy, you would have had to leave him uh, and, and, and end the relationship and then you wouldn't be engaged. And it sounds like you like him enough and love him enough that you want to do what it takes to exonerate him at least enough that you can still see your way clear to marrying him. So you couldn't pile all your anger at his having cheated on you before your engagement on his shoulders. So you divvied up the blame. You divvied up the anger. You put some on her. Uh, you, you, now that you've talked to her and you kind of like her a little bit and you understand where perhaps he was coming from and you can't put all the blame or as much of the blame on her as you had, now you sort of spread it around to all women who vaguely resemble her. Um, so long as you understand that this was a slightly irrational coping strategy uh, that allowed you to stay in this relationship, I think it's fine for you to nurse a bit of a grudge against all women who resemble this woman. But, you know, some part of the back of your mind, you have to remind yourself every once in a while that you're not being completely rational. Nobody can be completely rational all the time. It's fine to be a little 
rational about your occasional lapses into irrationality so long as you are rational about those occasional lapses into irrationality, which is what you're doing. Now, you know, they say once a cheater, always a cheater, blah, blah, blah. Uh, You may feel as you move into this relationship and marriage that you need to be on your guard against this particular type of woman all the rest of your life and that you need to police your fiancé now and your husband then's behavior all of your life. That's going to be exhausting. I would encourage you not to, in the end, marry your fiancé if you can't see your way clear to forgiving him truly and trusting him again because this feeling will only get worse. It will only grow if you continue to feed it and allow it to go on. Uh, So – You're being a little nutty. As long as you know you're being a little nutty, it's fine to be a little nutty. Don't marry him if you can't really forgive him. Hey there, Dan. Uh, I'm a a long, long time reader of your uh, of your column, long time listener of your of your podcast, and uh, I love you very much. But I I just have to ask you to plead with you that uh, that you were keep using the phrase waka 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 when what you really mean is yada yada yada, and it's just driving me crazy. Right, like, like you know, you know, you're saying something, and then you reach the point where you know that the person you're talking to knows the rest of what you're saying. You know, that's when you say yada yada yada. You know, my girlfriend loves me, wants to marry me, have little babies, yada yada yada. Right, right. Waka 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 is what you keep saying. Waka 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 is what Fozzie the Bear said back when uh, after after he made a uh, a corny one liner, you know, borscht belt joke. Right. You know, like, like uh, that was no lady, that was my dog. Waka, 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 you know, sort of underscoring the fact that the thing you said was just not funny, you know. Uh, and so every time you're, like, trailing off and you say, you know, yeah, I know you're going to say your boyfriend loves you, he wants to be with you, waka, 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 it just, it hurts me and it just makes me, like, cry. I'm glad you said, I'm glad you could correctly ID where it came from. Waka, waka, waka is fuzzy bear. Uh, and I've been saying waka, waka, waka when I've been trailing off. For decades. I've been saying that since before Seinfeld popularized yada, yada, yada. And I'm not going to change now. I'm not going to blow in the wind. I am not going to abandon Waka Waka Waka. And the formative really experience for me that watching The Muppet Show was just because it hurts you. In fact, knowing that it hurts somebody out there as much as it hurts you is going to make me want to do it more because I really am that kind of casually sadistic. So if you can't handle the Waka Waka Wakas, I'm sure there are other podcasts out there where they're using yada, yada, yada and phrases like not that there's anything wrong with that and phrases perhaps from other shows like he's just not that into you. And you're welcome to those podcasts. But here at Savage Love... We waka waka waka. Hi, um, I'm not calling with a sex question. I don't need to be on the show. I've been spending time catching up on your podcasts, and I enjoy them, and I learn a lot from them. I've gotten as far as May 2008, which is about the time you began welcoming ideas for new theme songs for your opening. But every time you mention the theme song, I think to myself, what about that gorgeous voice? The one that goes, you're listening to a stranger podcast. I mean, my God, that voice is glorious. It's sexy, and it's hard to explain, but every time I hear it, it makes me feel happy all over. 
I don't know if anyone has ever mentioned that opening voice. Uh, I haven't finished the podcast yet or caught up with them, but it's perfect. I hope you never stop using it. So, yeah, this is just a call to offer some love for whomever that wonderful sexy voice belongs to. That's one of the tech-savvy at-risk youth, and uh, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to pass the mic to the tech-savvy at-risk youth, and this one, one of them is going to say something sexy. Something sexy. I love to keep that one around. Um, she's not the one with the dreads. He's over there. We don't let him talk because uh, I don't want him stinking up my mic with his stanky dreads. Waka, waka, waka. I want to say it all the time. See, I have Tourette's. Careful. You know, if you call me and say don't do X, X is all I can really fucking think about for about the next six months. So y'all better brace yourselves for a lot of walking. All right. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Uh, I feel like I turned in an inferior product this week. We'll try to be better next week. Uh, if you'd like to record a call for a future and far superior program, 206-201-2720. Please leave a callback number so we can get in touch with you if we have a follow-up question. And try to keep it under a minute or two. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the tech-savvy, sexy-voiced, at-risk youth. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>